baseball pennants. At least until the janitorial staff were instructed to clear it all away, amid fears that making too much of a fuss might inspire the trend chasers among us to follow. A school-wide memorial was scheduled, then, under the same paranoid logic, canceled, then scheduled again, until compromise finally took the form of an hour of weepy testaments and a slideshow scored to Bette Midler instrumentals and the flutter of informational pamphlets from a national suicide hotline. I didn't cry. It didn't seem like my place. All of us in the junior class were required to meet at least once with the school counselor. My appointment came a few weeks after his death, and one of the slots reserved for non-entities and was perfunctory. Was I having nightmares? Was I unable to stop crying? Was I in need of intervention? Was I happy? No, 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 I said. And because there was no upshot to being honest, yes. The counselor sponged off his pits and asked what disturbed me most about Craig Ellison's death. No one used the word suicide that year unless absolutely necessary. He was out there in the woods for three days, I said, just waiting for someone to find him. I imagined it like a time-lapse video of blooming flowers, the body wheezing out its final gaseous waste, flesh rotting, deer pawing, ants marching. The tree line was only a couple blocks from my house, and I wondered if the wind had been right what it might have carried. The thought of the corpse wasn't what disturbed me most, not even close. What disturbed me most was the revelation that someone like Craig Ellison had secrets that he had actual human emotions not altogether dissimilar from mine. Deeper, apparently, because when I had a bad day, I watched cartoons and hoovered up a bag of Doritos, whereas Craig took his father's gun into the woods and blew a hole through the back of his head. I'd had a guinea pig once that did nothing but eat and sleep and poop, and if I'd found out the guinea pig's inner turmoil was stormier than mine, that would have disturbed me too. Weirdly then, the counselor shifted gears and asked whether I knew anything about the three churches that had been vandalized on Halloween. Blood-red, upside-down crosses painted across their wooden doors. Of course not, I said. Though what I knew was what everybody knew, which was that a trio of stoners had taken to wearing black nail polish and five-pointed stars and had spent the week before Halloween bragging how they would put the devil back into the devil's night. Do you think... Craig knew anything about it? He asked. Wasn't that the same night he, you know? The counselor nodded. Then I'm guessing not so much. He looked less disappointed than personally affronted, like I just ruined his murder she wrote moment. Insightful bystander unveils dark truth behind hideous crime. Even to people who gave Craig more credit than I did, maybe especially to them. The suicide was a puzzle to be solved. He'd been a good boy, and everyone knew good boys didn't do bad things like that. He'd been a high school point guard with a winning record and a blowjob amenable girlfriend. Logic dictated joy. There must have been extenuating circumstances, people said. Drugs, maybe. The kind that made you run for a plate glass window, imagining you could fly. A game of Russian roulette gone wrong. A romantic suicide pact reneged.
The summons of darkness, some blood magic that seduced its victims on the devil's night. Even the ones who accepted it as a straightforward suicide acted like it was less personal decision than communicative disease. Something Craig had accidentally caught and might now pass on to the rest of us, like chlamydia. All my life, Battle Creek had reliably been a place where nothing happened. The strange thing that year wasn't that something finally did. It was that, as if the town shared some primordial lizard brain capable of divining the future, we all held our breath, waiting for something to happen next. Thanks to some ambiguous causal link the school administration drew between depression and godlessness, the new post-mortem policy dictated that we spend three minutes of every homeroom in silent prayer. Craig had been in my homeroom, seated diagonally to my right. At a desk, we all now...